thank you for for your participation with as a as a spiritual community as a sangha that means community and what language is that sanskrit sanskrit traditionally the topic is uh, between absolute truth relative truth the tibetans call it kunzup and dundum uh, just Tibetan words, and then in the Sanskrit, was, I'm just saying these be, to show you how, how much I know. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> That's all the Tibetan I know. And uh, and Samri Satya, Paramartha Satya means a relative being and ultimate being. So, and I'm going to uh, call the talk or have already is uh, the way we know things. How how do we know something? Relative knowledge is what most of the world is run on, right or wrong, up and down, back and forth, life and death. Should, should do it, shouldn't do it, um, who's right, who's wrong. And a lot of that because our ego mind is so sensitive but to being wrong or to looking bad or being embarrassed. We tend to, some people clamp down on something so tight, they would never come to a meeting like this. Their beliefs are so intense that they, they won't allow themselves because they don't want to really know, they just want to believe. That's a relative kind of knowing. They just want to believe in... Uh, uh, their deity or their higher power or their, their, all of that. Is that incorrect? No, it's relatively, it is correct. That is a way to do it. But what happens if a person is completely wound up in what they think is true and what they think is false using the thought process, they're only going to have a half a life. They're going to have, they're going to live part of their life, but they're going to miss something. They're going to miss the totality of their life because they're covering up the, what is coming towards them by fear, got to get away from that. I have to go and talk to this person, talk to that person, or change this whole direction, modify it, correct it, fix it. Quite often, therapy has worked that way. And it's, again, it's not wrong. It's a way of working with someone who's suffering greatly. It may not be ready for this kind of a practice, which you've just been doing for an hour or more. It's not, not everybody is ready to do this. It's a very powerful, subjective practice of working with the mind where you are going to understand what this is not you're not just going to believe me or believe the buddha or believe anybody you do it yourself you you actually see this yourself it just takes a long time of looking at what the things you believe the things you disbelieve what you think is right what you think is wrong relative truth in the relative truth there's we all agree that's a sound Unless you can't hear, then we might have some difficulty there. Or if you can't see, we've had some difficulty there. Or if your thinking process is somehow limited through culture, through how you've been treated when you were born, how you've been maybe even abused, you may be, you may, that whole area may be severely compromised or shut down. Also, by being in an environment that is extremely loving and warm and supportive and, uh, and is totally about helping you. <laughs> called sometimes called parenting, good parenting, helping you out, helping you deal with your difficulties, not necessarily beating you up when you don't function correctly as they wish you to. So it's very, very complicated. One of the ways to simplify it is, and here again, I'm pushing this a little bit. I'm not trying to get you to believe in Buddhism or join Buddhism. Uh, there's nothing to join. If you understand what Buddhism is, it's, it's not the conventional understanding of a, a religious faith or a practice. Much different. One of the ways it's characterized is it is non-theistic. So there's no deity at the head, even though 
certainly looks like there is, but this is a chunk of wood. Pretty interesting, no? But we need some kind of a reference point, so we bow to the Buddha. You're not bowing to a god or a deity. You're bowing to your own enlightened nature, which is what the Buddha stumbled into 2,500 years ago when he saw his true nature and began to share that with others slowly over a long period of time. Uh, lineages of teaching began to develop and uh, which you're looking at a situation here where two lineages, the Soto Zen lineage of Japan through uh, Dogen Zenji from the 13th century and the Karmakagyu lineage from ancient Tibet through uh, various Tibetan teachers, including my teacher, Chogyam Kungpa Rinpoche. Comes together, here we are. This is a, a monastery in the middle of, where are we? Let's <laughs> go back. Your hometown. The hand map, huh? Your hometown. My hometown, yes. I was born about 10 blocks from here. So relative truth, ultimate truth. Relative truth is everywhere. If it's taught, uh, you can go and study relative truth right down here at the university or K College. You can go into whatever, sociology, botany, biology, forestry and all the other things that are offered there. And you can actually study with people who are working in that area who have uh, a lot of knowledge and they can confer a degree on you so that you can go on and work in that field or possibly teach. Very strong idea there of relative uh, emphasis on that relative. There is some uh, areas there where it might get into more ultimate understanding don't necessarily have to go into that unless there are questions around it. So the ultimate understanding from the point of view of the spiritual path, which is a path that transcends the relative world without leaving it behind. I'll say it again. It transcends. It goes beyond the relative. But it doesn't ignore gravity. It doesn't ignore, ignore pain and pleasure, the nerve endings. It doesn't ignore anything. In fact, in infection, it includes everything. You no longer are shutting anything out of your mind stream or your living room for that, made, that matter. That doesn't mean you unlock your doors and everybody gets to come in. I'm not talking about some kind of stupid idealism. You know what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? Fundamental sanity where you're no longer at war with anyone. And if you're, if you're at war here, this is an example I've used lately and I'll use it again today. If you're at war here and you don't know about it and you project that that war out on the world, then you'll think that the wars in other countries and so on are they are seen through your lens. And what I would say, if you want to know how to work with the, the war, shall I say it? I don't want to get too political. Gaza. Find the Gaza here. Look at the war here. Because if you haven't looked at this war, and if this war is raging, when you go out and try to work with it in the world, I don't care how good your intentions are, it will be very difficult to separate the interior war that you're trying to hide out from and the war that's out there, which you might have a tendency to project onto and then try to fix that war instead of seeing, instead of uh, coming to an understanding of this war. Everyone is doing their own version of this. Am I accusing you of something? No, I'm probably wrong. I've just been looking at it for a long time. Relative truth, ultimate truth. Very important. The minute you pull your finger out of the holster, you know what I'm talking about. Blame anybody else. This is relative truth. And it is blaming. That's the worst thing you can do is even though somebody did something to you, 
abused you, hurt you, said something was disrespectful. If you the minute you blame them, you buy into this world of relative truth. You have left the spiritual path, maybe only for 10 minutes. You have to see what this is, my friends, hopefully. You have to see it. If you see it, then you'll know what to do. And there won't be any path that anybody, anyone can tell you, including this person, can tell you what to do. You will know what to do. What this person will do, if I meet you, I will encourage you to find that path yourself. I won't try to get you to be a monk. I might even say, don't do that. Go do something else. Go join the Peace Corps. Or what's that other thing? Not the Peace Corps. Oh, that's right, the military. I won't tell you to do that. <laughs> And I can speak from experience. I spent four years in the Marine Corps. So I'm not just some kind of a uh, against that. And my father was killed in World War II in Germany. So I have some a little bit of understanding of what happens in that area. And I'm not against it. It's a relative world. We need some kind of protection from people who are completely off their rocker and are going to take their uninspected fear on you or on your family. You see it everywhere in the news. You can't just laws will help somewhat, but they won't address the fundamental understand the fundamental problem, which is mistaken identity. There's no solid being here. Don't believe anything I say. Consider it. Think about it. Reflect on it. Spend two or three years reflecting on that. If you can, sit down and face the wall so nothing else is coming up other than what I just said to you. I can continue or I can take some questions, but if you have questions, that's what I'd like. Go ahead, sir. What is the function of understanding? <clears throat> the function of understanding is that you, uh, if you understand, you have do not have a question about that. You see it. You understand what it is relatively. You understand that fire is hot, water is wet, or gets things wet. Wind moves. I saw that. Nod, nod, wink, wink. Did somebody tell you that water is not wet? But <laughs> close. I actually received that instruction from uh, how old was uh, was Annie when he told me that? Like fourteen. Yeah, her her son, who's now at uh, going to uh, U of M, uh, actually made that comment. I think he was sitting right over here, wasn't he? He was down in the white park in like the community room. Oh, he was, yeah. In front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's very embarrassing. Corrected <laughs> by it. So going back to your question, uh, uh, ultimate knowledge is you have no questions. Relative knowledge, you can still have questions because you can't know everything relatively. relatively. But you can know ultimately. This is called wisdom. And there's no being who's wise. There's just wisdom. If wisdom sees wisdom, there isn't anything else. The duality is gone. It is completely gone. There's no polarity anymore. Even though you run into people who are polarized and are at war with themselves or with others and are full of hatred, uh, you meet them where they're at. This doesn't mean you follow them around or, or, or somehow capitulate to their insanity, but you see, you know how to work with them. More about it if you haven't. Does relative understanding inherently cover up fundamental intelligence? No. no, it doesn't. It can take up space there. Someone can spend their whole life just um, doing lawn care and, and getting getting very, very good at understanding ways to 
um, to work with grass that's in the shade that doesn't grow so well in the sun. All, all of the relative things there, and they spend their whole life, they get money, they feed their family, they grow old, and they maybe retire and, and move to, uh, what, Alaska? No, probably Florida. Or, or they, they work and work and work and they can't stop work, working because that builds up their time and makes them feel valuable. People are looking for happiness and value. And you can't, what is that song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. You can't find it elsewhere. That's the only place you can find it. That's the only place you can find understanding. You can't be given understanding by anyone, by any Dharma teacher, by any minister, by any philosopher, by any therapist, by, 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 by any mother, father. You can't. You have to see it. If you're lucky, you will run into people that encourage you to, to see it for yourself. Not something you believe. It's something you understand more. James, I'm thinking particularly of like a situation where I feel uncertain or fearful and I go to something like astrology for some kind of foothold. And I wonder if that's just covering up the difficulty, if there's a better way for me to work with that. I wouldn't say it's covering it up, but I would say, you know, it's, it's everyone is different. It's very situational. If someone were asking me that and they were sincere and they really wanted a response from me, they weren't just, you know, fooling around, really wanted a response and they did not meditate and they just wanted to figure out their life with astrology or numerology or tarot cards or any number of things, uh, then would depend on them. If they were ready to hear it, I would say uh, include some meditation practice in that. You're, you're someone who meditates a lot. You're a fully ordained monk. So you're, you're not going to be particularly hindered by the study of astrology. That being said, your awareness practice should let you know. Should let you know the area that you're covering things. I already know. I watch you cover up things every day. But I don't have permission to tell you about them. And you know that, don't you? A whole bunch. If you don't mind me embarrassing you right in front of all these young people. Although you're not so old yourself, old man. <laughs> Aren't you 29 or something? <laughs> you're not going to tell me? <laughs> He's 34. 33. 33, so yeah, meaning older than he was. So. Okay. Yes, is there a question over here? You just broke combing your hair back? Yes. See, I can't do that. Right? <laughs> Anytime I see anyone do that, I immediately get, what, jealous. <laughs> so do you have a question about anything that's been said? Anyone? Yes, please. Well, is there any, first of all, when I ask a question, is there any specific way you'd like me to ask it? Like starting off, I noticed um, this guy started off by saying something. Yeah, people, it's, you don't have to. I mean, you're a guest here, so you could just raise your hand to ask your question. But traditionally, uh, as we study, in order so people can kind of interrupt each other when convenient, or when some, you know someone has a question, they'll say, like he said, uh, what was your name again? Juzan, which means Freedom Mountain. You never know. Would you? <laughs> you would say, Juzan uh, Bowen. And then I probably would not, I'm a teacher, so I probably wouldn't necessarily respond. It would depend on who it was. So if you had a question, you could say, what is your name? Okay. Allison. Mm -hmm. You'd say Allison Bowing. And you wouldn't have to necessarily bow, but if you say that, then I know that you have a question. Go ahead. Um, well, my question was, with wisdom, is there a part of wisdom where there's acceptance in knowing that you won't know everything? A little, very good question. So a little bit of that, it's just that wisdom, as it's 
uh, fundamental, the ultimate understanding, there's no knower, there's no no personality who knows, there's just consciousness, as it says in that, it says perception only, Not there's no perceiver, there's no one over here, and there's nothing being perceived, but the perception still goes on, it's just that what you see, you're not separate from, so therefore, everywhere you look, you see yourself, Every, and you don't see your your mundane identity, like uh, who you are, how you're treated, uh, and you have a bad temper, or you have, or you don't have a bad temper, and all of the descriptions we have of personality, personality is gone. At the same time, if that person who sees in this way functions as a teacher, then they will take on personality, uh, any kind of personality, to to be able to teach and help others. More, more. Can I ask what you're holding? This is a stick. <laughs> is it called a kotsu? And it's carved by, uh, this is presented to me by my Dharma heir, Jason. Uh, and, uh, and it's curved and it symbolizes, you know? I've heard it talked about both the spine or the tongue of the Buddha. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, you can't do that with it. <laughs> so... Uh, and also, if you if you if it's a ceremonial thing, you're you're if you're teaching, the curve goes this way. If you hold it this way, or if you're bowing, if you're if you're if it's a service or a ceremony, then it would go the other way around. You could use it that way. You have a further question? Anyone else? Anywhere at all? Yes, sir. The... Yes. Um, sorry, this might be a kind of topic, but um, you, you were talking about like relative absolute knowledge. Um, it kind of got me thinking a little bit about Descartes and. Some of um, I'm just curious, kind of curious. How would you conceptualize like the mind in like relation to the self and the body? Uh, they're the same, but then we divide them up because what ego, self-centeredness, the leaders, the teachers want control, want control, control and power. That's what everybody's that's actually after. Most mostly white guys. <laughs> not always. There's other people that are saying, I'm not white. I'm not a guy. But I like some of this power. And so they, <laughs> they find a way to do that politically or manipulating people's fears and beliefs. Yes, miss. Please bear with me as I find a way to phrase this. Sorry. I suppose, is there any ideal way then to present outwardly if you were looking for like within inner peace? Is it outwardly presenting as you feel comfortable or outwardly presenting in any? Here, I'm hearing you. So the best way to outwardly present is less is better. Be, all these senses, the eyes don't produce sights. The nose does not produce fragrances or smells. The mouth, even though talking is there, doesn't, the taste doesn't produce flavors. Uh, the hand doesn't produce touch. There's, it's, there's an interaction between all the senses that seems like that, but basically it's the mind that jumps on and tells you what you're smelling, tasting, hearing, doing, thinking, feeling, and describes it. So there's that, what's called an outfit of it. So less is better. This is why when we sit, sit down, hold, sit still, sit in a symmetrical posture, and then watch the asymmetry of the mind go this way and go that way. And eventually that begins to slow down. There's no guarantee, but it slows down so that when your outward expression, when you get up and go into your everyday life uh, situation, there's less likelihood that you're going to start producing things out of your ideas, your hopes, or your fears about it. And there's more of a likelihood that you're going to really meet others where they're at and see, even though they might not be treating you so well, uh, you see that that's, that's coming out of fear that they're, they, they don't even know they're afraid they can, because they cover it up with their aggression or their opinions, their ideas, their judgments, and their beliefs. Good question. 
So I would say, what was your name? Tannis. Again, please. Tannis. Hannah? Tannis. T-A-N-I-S. T-A-N-I-S. Tannis. Thank you, Tannis. So insofar as you can, uh, to come back to your question, receive. If you're just on receive, then you won't do much because you're you're receiving this incredible world. I say, often say, don't miss your life, covering it up with all your activities and you're doing and filling things in and busy work, but just receive. If you, you're doing that, then uh, then you'll be sincere with others and you'll also see deeply into their, when they're acting irregular or disrespectful to you, you'll see that it's because they're afraid they're covering it up. So you might be able to actually help them by not engaging in battle with them or warfare arguments. May I ask what your major is? Oh, major. Take some time. Yeah, I say, don't do anything else you have to. Who needs a major? <laughs> It'll probably be English. Oh, that would be a good one. So Grand Valley, the Buddhists talk about hell and the hell realm and the ghost realm and they have amazing descriptions about what that looks like. Yes. How do they know? How does who know? So Grand Valley, how did the texts and the Buddhists know that that's what hell looks like? So it's coming out of uh, centuries and centuries of uh, of um, uh, personal practice. Each individual practicing meditation under the under the guidance of not only the Buddha but his uh, uh, lineage of teachers and so on down through the centuries. It's a slow accumulation of understanding, uh, relatively described. Excuse me, but hell of the six realms of the hell realm the hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the jealous God realm, and the God realm are just like states of mind. So uh, they're just descriptions. And sometimes they seem to be make some sense, and other times they don't They don't make some sense. Is there some specific area? Or is it just you want to know how they know that? So Gurdvai, it was Ani's question. It was Ani's question. Okay. And it was a very descriptive uh picture of pitchforks and mm -hmm. burning hell and a certain number of kalpas. Yeah, and if Ani were sitting here and asking me, me that, and I said, well, how does it feel when you're really upset and mad? Do you have any words for that? Bad. Bad. <laughs> yeah, bad. That's, and I, I said, okay, bad, but you could say that to somebody else, but it doesn't convey a lot. I just feel bad. But if you use those kinds of images, like beings who are chasing me you know you know what it's like to have a nightmare a bad dream or or uh, create some kind of a stage play involving a lot of chaos then you could call like any warfare if you look at a battlefield if you look at i can think of all kinds of movies if you look at movies of uh, say of the civil war where people human beings wearing different colored uniforms are clashing with each other and killing each other that's a hell realm uh if you some people have uh we go into prisons. Some monks here still go into prisons. Yudao uh, is still going into uh, to help uh, inmates in prison. It, that is a, a highly controlled hell realm where people are kept in there and actually are tortured. Maybe, maybe not with pitchforks and knives and so on, but they're not allowed to come out of their box. They only have some of them, depending on this position they're in, only have maybe an hour a day in the sunshine. 
why would you do this to another human being who, when they were 17, screwed up and joined a gang and did some things that were illegal? Why would you take that person and put them in prison for 20 or 30 years? Control. Control. Living on right and wrong. There is no such thing as right and wrong. There is no such. Those are creations of the mind in order to do what? Get control. Get control. So what do we do about that? doesn't seem to be any way to step into the middle of the incredible landslide we call this world of cause and effect cause billions of people all doing this and this and this and this and some people in control don't step into the landslide uh, sit down hold still find a space by yourself it may not be this monastery may not be this teacher may not even be buddhism but sit down hold still and watch the mind observe confusion in the mind rather than jump in and try to fix it or repair it. If nothing is broken. You have to realize it. If you realize what this is, there'll be no, no more war with anything, including yourself. Shorok. What does it mean when you say that there's no solid or separate being? So the, the, the illusion is they're here, and there's someone here, and there's, there are people out here. And uh, I'm going to go to the store, but you're going to stay here. So there's a constant separation that supplies us with an identity. If, if, I, uh, if I pick up this stick, I can feel this, this kotsu, but you can't. But you can see me do this, so you might be able to imply or guess how this might feel in my hands using seeing uh, or your idea of what maybe you picked this up before. There's just so many ways that this builds through all the six sense fields, including the mind, into some kind of speculation about the otherness. So one of the basic teachings of Buddhism is everything is empty of other. It's not something else. This is your mind. Without your mind, there is no stick. Kotsu. More? I didn't even answer your question. You can let me off the hook. Yes. Um, so we keep talking about, or you keep talking about um, the fears and how like that can manifest as in like aggressiveness or just like being stuck yeah. in your opinions. Yes. How do you approach that? Like if you, if I were to meet someone that was like that, how do I approach that? Listen, listen to them. Okay. No, listen to them. You, you use not only your ears, but your eyes. Look at them. Uh, this may sound a little silly, but don't don't disconnect from anything. Yes. Uh, six sense fields, including the mind. Those mind, those things don't produce much, but they receive. Unless your the mind stream is so knotted up in fear, paranoia that you can't even breathe, that you can't smell, uh, that someone has a body odor. That's not an evil thing. It's just true. Or maybe you smell somebody's perfume, which sometimes is worse than body odor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I would say, meet them where they're at. Sit down with a look in their eyes and receive, listen. And so that they, the first three or four minutes, if you're talking to somebody, might just be them complaining about something or they might be nosy and asking you about what's going on with you. But eventually, if they're having difficulty, eventually you'll start to hear what their life is like and you should receive that. Some people just need to have somebody to talk to. Um, going off of that, uh, so would you say after listening, would you say, I've heard some people say that the best way to approach that is through like compassion and asking them questions out of understanding or trying to understand them. Would you say that's pretty in line or something that is okay to do? 
the concept of compassion needs uh, tends to get in the way of actual compassion. Actual compassion, you can't describe it. It's not a feeling. If it's a feeling, then it's more like sympathy or feeling sorry for somebody or even a little condescension that might be disguised as helping somebody. Again, your name spelling? Name. Spelling it? Uh, Tannis. Tannis. Thank you, Tannis. I'd like to hear your question. I would love to remember my question. Expect <laughs> 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 that. Yes. You'd love to remember your question. <laughs> was it about? Oh, go ahead. It was regarding compassion, but I forgot my second. Okay. Now, if it comes back. Yes, please. Yeah, just just like say hey. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. She's online. Could compassion is talked about as one of the perfections? Could you say what is compassion from uh, how the Buddhist? How you present it as a Buddhist? Well, I, I would have to say, I don't know, Buddhists, there's a lot of Buddhists. I say receive people's suffering without fixing them. Be respectful of other people's confusion. You have to listen to them. You don't know what kind of... Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it. It'll stay. Huh? I've got it. It'll stay. Finish. You sure? Positive. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I was done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so coming back to it, just just receive it's so much. You don't have to do anything to be compassionate. Just being with, just sitting with someone who's uh, who is uh, in a kind of hell realm of their own creation, or excuse me, has been created or uh, caused by being around people who are unkind, and they're trying to protect, they're trying to cover up their fear by hurting others. Anytime you hear any of these shootings, this is people that are terrified, and the only way they know how to get rid of any of that is to download that fear on others, taking their lives. Even though they're little children, that's that is a person who is in horrible, horrible hell realm in their mind stream. Let's help them. Let's not <laughs> go the other way and hurt them, punish them. They need to be helped more. Um, I was regarding seeking advice and compassion. I it is a practice within my own religion, and it seems to be one here that you don't give more than what a person seeks from you. So they may ask you questions, and you respond to those questions. How is that limited by compassion, or is it just you approach that? I think that's very good. Good, good advice. That's we do something similar to that. Say, mind your own business is what I say. <laughs> Unless somebody can say, no, I really want to know what do you think, and you can actually. Just actually having words around them with them and responding means just as much as having any content to it. You could actually respond and say, <clears throat> you know, it looks like that's a very difficult situa situation you're in with that person. Uh, it just sounds very uh, confusing. You could go along with maybe how they feel, but then you could also come to some kind of ending so that they can talk, saying, I'm not sure what to do. With it. What have you been doing so far? You don't really have to turn into a therapist particularly. You could actually just listen well, may I ask what your religious orientation is? Helena Pagan. Pagan? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's a well-grounded, if I may say so. <laughs> Feet on the ground, not forgetting gravity. Buddhism is also very similar to that. Just It's just very, very transcendental common sense. It's just there's no big highfalutin ideas to it. It's just simple. Is there a question? Harrison. Yeah. 
how do I work with finding more entertaining? Uh, who's asking the question? Andrea. Oh, okay, Andrea. Uh, how do you work with finding more entertaining? Yes. Enjoy it. I'm not kidding you. If it's entertaining, you don't want to cover that up. Don't cover anything up. If you actually fundamentally enjoy or see what is so thrilling or exciting or interesting about war, then that will do whatever it needs to do. It may stand on its head. It may continue for three months. And the most important thing I can say, since you are a student of the Buddha's Dharma, you're a student of mine, I'm saying spend a lot of time in front of the wall watching how the mind keeps erupting in this kind of a situation over and over and over. You have to do this yourself. I'm here as a Dharma teacher, but what I'm going to say, if you bring that kind of question or any kind of question to me, I'm going to, insofar as you give me permission, turn you around and get you to go and look at it. Then you might come back in two days, three years, and ask more questions. But it is entertaining. I just watched it. We just watched a movie last night that is very, very all about war. war and But it's, it's very entertaining. But it's also a movie. It's a movie. They they won't. They'll let you show war, uh, movies about murdering and killing people, chopping people's heads off. But two people making love? Oh, that's pornography. That's not pornography. That pornography is in your mind, not on the screen. Think about it, or don't think about it. <clears throat> Thank you. Bye. More. Yes. Beyond Valley. I'll come back to you, Harrison, in a minute. Go ahead. What does it mean to be genuine? And will I will I have an understanding of if I am or I am not? The, the, the is or isn't uh, tends to go away because that's relative truth. You're in what's called, uh, well, used to be called no man's land, but now is no person's land. Excuse me. Sorry. It's called the middle way. Buddhism is called the middle way because it's not too tight, not too loose. So you find yourself as a personality, as personhood, as, a, as an ego without reference points. And that you begin to make yourself comfortable in that area by not pulling, by not pushing, by lo not looking for something else. Passion, aggression, ignorance, hope and fear, right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. Those start to come apart. The more you practice meditation, the more you relate to the three jewels, the Buddha, the teacher, the Dharma, the teaching. And the Sangha or the community. More? Union Valley, you use the word, the words make yourself comfortable. How how do I make myself comfortable with right the ego? You're sitting right now. You're not comfortable, are you? No, but you're sitting still. It's very relevant. When I say make yourself comfortable, I'm not saying you suddenly close your eyes and make curl up in a nest and go to sleep. I'm just saying that you you can work with the negativity. It just be another way. So you're no longer threatened. I sometimes uh, one of the ways that I teach is uh, if you realize your true nature, if you realize who you are, I mean, actually who you are, your actual identity, and I'll say this very, very bluntly so you don't forget it, you won't give a shit how you feel. If you care how you feel, then you're constantly going to be covering that up by blaming others or blaming yourself or blaming your mom or blaming society. Blame, 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 blame. And what this does is reinforce Dependent origination, the original misunderstanding, which that there are separate things that happen in a separate way, and somebody caused it and somebody didn't cause it. More? Yeah. <clears throat> Beyond bowing, do you think I might be able to stop pushing myself around someday? Yes. 
Aren't you going to say how? How do I? I don't know. <laughs> no, I do. I have an idea about it. If you're if you're listening, if this is if you're a student, then this can function as a teacher. If you stop being a student, if you start turning away and turning back into your own ideas, it's not that your own ideas might not be better than or more workable than mine or more timely than mine, but I, I, I stop teaching. The only way I can teach is if I look in your eyes or your eyes or your eyes and see that there's a receiver there. Then I can say, you just have to watch the way you continue to push yourself around. It's an awareness practice, not a success practice. That being said, if you can see right into the interstices, the gaps in the fissures are in the dynamic that tends to get very solid in your particular mind stream as I need to do this, call stubbornness. I need to do that. I should have done this. Why did I do that? And if you can sound familiar, you have a lot of smiles there. So we, we tend to lecture ourselves. It's not about stopping doing that or not doing that, though it may back off. It's about seeing the incredible uh, aggression that is happening in your own mind stream where you're, where you're going to war with yourself. This is what I address when I say, lose the war here rather than take this war that you want to ignore and cover up and go out and find things are wrong in society and you know, hammer over people over the head with protest signs. Go ahead. Well, I was wondering, beyond bowing, what, it, what does it mean to lose the war here? Uh, probably feel like a failure, feel like you're not getting any better, uh, could feel like the things are getting worse for you, that meditation doesn't work, sounding familiar. Well, you're also somebody, you've been coming, you've been here for what, for eight years, you've lived in this monastery, seven, off and on, okay, and you've probably meditated um, every day for the last week or two, wouldn't you say, most of each day. At least what I've seen. So a lot of meditation. How's that going? All right. Okay. You're here. You're asking the question. So there's there's some kind of understanding, uh, but it's not complete yet. And when it's complete, the comp the questions will stop. The question, there will, need, there will not be a, an identity anymore. And questions will begin to arise when people ask you how you do this. When you When you become a teacher. And you can't become a teacher unless there's a student. Anybody, anytime a teacher tries to promote themselves as a teacher, this is relative truth. It's not that they might not have something wonderful to say, but the only way you can teach ultimate truth, ultimate truth is to have permission to teach someone. More? Thank you. You're welcome. Harrison. Harrison Bowing. Um, for those coming from other religions, how do the deities of Buddhism um, sort of play a role in what is considered a non-theistic religion? Because a deity in the Buddhist approach is your own wisdom mind. It's just a way, just like this kotsu. I could just go get a, a stick off the ground. But instead, we fashioned it, or, or uh, um, Ian fashioned this uh, kotsu and put a lot of work into it. So we actually make it into something so that it has a has some craftsmanship in it. It has beauty. Uh, not that the stick off the ground doesn't also, but that might be more in line with the, uh, another approach to spirituality, which is uh, maybe more earth-based. So uh, that's one area of it. The other area, I would say, is the deity 
you're visualizing a deity like Chenrezig or Avalokiteshvara in your mind and you're doing a mantra. So you're using, you're using the speech and you're using your mind in terms of vision and you, you can't really find wisdom. You can't, you can't locate it somewhere. So we use a deity that is made up. Uh, you can either use one of the deities that are, that are taught in uh, whether it's a, um, a Vajrasattva or Vyochana, Samantabhadra, any kind of a, a deity out of the, especially the Tibetan tradition, where you would use that to to uh, take up the space in the mind stream that is normally occupied by all kinds of daydreams. The ego is thinking this and thinking that. But instead, if you're sitting there and you're you're doing a mantra, and I could do a short mantra, Omane Pavehum, most of you have heard, heard of that. And you have a, a mala, and you run the mala through your fingers. And all the time you're doing that, you're visualizing this deity. And all the time you're doing that, you might have another part of the practice where you're actually moving your hands in a particular mudra. Uh, and you might also be uh, the visualization you're having. There might be some kind of activity in the visualization. There may be some kind of uh, way that you're moving your hands relative to the mantra that's being chanted or to the, the actual uh, longer part of the, the, the liturgy that describes different aspects of awakening and, and enlightenment and the way those uh, energies, passion, aggression, and ignorance are transmuted into wisdom. So it's a very complicated area, but it's not about worshiping somebody up there. It's not about worshiping anybody. So it is about using the mind, using forms to uh, work with the mind in a way that is uh, very, very specific and uh, is something that I practice quite a bit. But I don't teach it. What I teach is sit down, hold still, and watch them the mind move. I don't think you need to invent a bunch of things. Depends on the person. There's some people that I uh, encourage to do those kinds of practices. Deity yoga, it's called. But it's not something you're believing. You're not believing in the deity. You know that what that deity represents is your wisdom mind, which is hard to locate, especially uh, if you're looking for something. More? Super interesting. Um, Harrison Bowing, who do you choose uh, needs uh, sort of the babies? Like, how do you make a choice of which students need sort of the... I don't, I don't make choices. Okay. Stop making... I don't make choices. I'm not kidding. I don't. I know what to do next. You guys... Can I pick on you a little bit? Or you guys are doing either or. Should I move to Vermont or should you stay here in Michigan? Should I, he wants, he wants to go out with me and he wants to go out with me. He's got more money, but he looks nice. <laughs> he has a, what I'm saying is the either or thing. Uh, if, if the ego has been seen through, the ego, the either or situation just vanishes. You don't have to push it away. You just know, because if you don't know what to do, then you don't do anything. And, but you don't sit around and drive yourself. What's the word? Cuckoo? Does that work? You don't you don't go back and forth. Uh, between well, should I well let's see what's the I gotta figure this out. I don't know if I do that, then this. There's no way you can figure this out. Knock it off. You don't have to do that. You don't have to torture yourself with should I and shouldn't I? You really don't. That doesn't mean you will stop suffering. That may have to go on for quite a while. You may have to look at your suffering, but you'll be able to do it directly. Am I promoting meditation or Buddhism? Probably someone. I can't help it. That's how I got on this seat. 
this through the help of my teachers, both of them. Yes, sir. Bowing, it seems like in our culture, hope and passion have a almost desirable quality. What does it mean in Buddhism that hope and passion are uh, poisons? Well, passion doesn't mean that you don't want want some spaghetti. So you know, if you want it, and <laughs> why is that so funny? <laughs> because is it because of what? Because of that food we had that wasn't really spaghetti that has that. What's that? What is that called? <laughs> okay, and that was delicious. Is that what you're laughing at? <laughs> no, you weren't. It was. The pot was right the there. Was right in front of you. Yeah, wasn't that good? What was that question? <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Um, what are hope and uh, hope and passion in the Buddhist tradition? So hope, hope is hope. There's hope and fear. If you're afraid of something, and then you hope that that whatever you're afraid of will go away, or else you'll hope you'll get what you what you're lacking. So uh, hope and fear are just traps. That that steals your wisdom. I mean, they they ambush you in the midst of the forest that you are caught in, called your mind stream. That's why you have to go in there. You're going to have to look at that. You may not do it in this lifetime. You may not, you may walk out of here and forget everything I'm saying. Should you do that? If that's what shows up, because whatever shows up is exactly what needs to occur. There's no right or wrong. This is a big misunderstanding. The whole world is running on that, trying to get control so that we can fix everything. How many times have you heard, we have to make sure this never happens again? And it's like, you're going to stop life. <laughs> it's crazy. Crazy. Um, please bear with me because this isn't quite a fully formed thought, but I've been thinking a lot as you've been talking about um, how you've said a lot about therapy. And um, as someone who wants to become a therapist, I was thinking yes. about and wanted to ask, what is the place of mental health or even mental illness in the Buddhist tradition? Right here. This is mental health. This is we are. We just do. We have uh, several people who are in who are students of mine are therapists and i highly encourage that and not everyone's going to meditate but if you're a therapist you probably be a good idea if you trained your mind so that you don't download your misunderstanding on students not students but clients that come to you that seem to have a similar thing you don't want you don't want to necessarily say oh i understand just what you mean i was treated the same way not a good idea because it just makes a what you know mutual what's that mutual admiration society Well, that didn't get a smile, so I, I missed the point. More about that? So I'm highly, I'm all for that. Be a therapist. That's one way you can actually um, even get paid. Do you still, guys still get paid? Therapist. <laughs> uh, Kelly, are you getting any pay for what you all the therapy work you do? A little bit? Okay, she's getting paid. And she's a meditator, so uh, it wouldn't have to be this kind. It could be something else. More about that? Thank you. Sir. Yelka Bowing, a question on YouTube from Charles D. Charles Bowing, what is the relation between Buddhist faith and knowledge? Thank you very much. Wow. Buddhist faith, so... <laughs> 
faith is different in Buddhism than it is in a theistic approach. Not better, not worse, not anything. It's just uh, uh, you. <clears throat> you. It's it's like trust, but it's not the kind of trust where you close off and no longer look at it and you just believe it. It's a kind of faith that is very much connected with your intelligence about watching, observing, and seeing what is happening and seeing what is developing in front of you and receiving it. So you have faith that yeah, as you go along, you begin to see more and more the fundamental teachings of the Buddha, which uh, is uh, uh, life is suffering. It's difficult. You're not going to be able to get rid of suffering. And you might find a different, a more intelligent, uh, and even enlightened way of working with it. And also that uh, nothing comes from its own side as an individual self or being. That is an illusion. And so I, I think to, to go back to the question, I'd have to switch it around a little bit. I'm not sure if this is how you meant it, but it's, uh, it's, it's like I'm, I'm feeling that I don't know, because the question has, has some differentiation happening. I'm not blaming you for the question, but I'm just saying, could you, if you have the person still on the line, just tell me what you want to know rather than make it in, in some kind of a situation where I have to be smarter than I am. Yes. What makes us turn away from faith when we're looking right at it? Um, turn away from faith? Yes. I don't know. I don't turn away from it. And and I don't believe anything. I don't disbelieve in anything. I don't even believe in Buddhism. If I believed in Buddhism, then I'd have to practice it exactly like the, the Dalai Lama or the head of the Soto Shu in Japan were telling me to do it. And they don't have anything to say about what I'm doing. Who has something to say about what I'm doing? Whatever shows up. I get my understanding. As my teacher told me, He someone asked him once, well, now that you're teachers, your gurus are dead. Who is your guru? And he said, situations are my guru. And I would have to say the same thing. I don't plan anything. Yes. Would part of this practice be considered intuition? All of it. All of it? That's all. All. Receiving, receiving. Anything that arises in the mind stream is just receive it rather than lay something on top of it so it's easier to choke down or judge it or evaluate it or run it through some kind of a strainer of your concepts, your ideas to see if it fits with the way you see things. Or good question. What's good? What's good going? I've heard you say trust yourself, which doesn't mean believe your thoughts. Yes. But trust the space in which things show up. What yes. does it mean to trust the space? To, it just means that be uh, don't fill up your feeling of not knowing with some kind of choices. Just ha have a willingness to not know what the hell's happening next. Give yourself a break. Sit around and just just look at it, watch it. It's very difficult to do that unless you're a meditator, unless you've you have trained you're training yourself to sit down and watch the comings and goings of the mind. If you're taking what comes and goes in the mind and you're adding things onto it. It's like no matter what is served to you in terms of karma or your life, I say don't miss it. You want to put a bunch of condiments on it because you don't like that. You want more salt. You want more pepper. You want more hot sauce. Or you don't you take parts of it out that don't belong to you. You shouldn't be served. This shouldn't be happening to me. I don't deserve this. You ever said that? I don't deserve this. 
Well, yes, you do. If, you, if it shows up in your mind, in your life, then yeah. you have it coming. And I don't mean you're to blame. That just means that the causes and conditions are absolutely impossible to trace. You can't find out where this came from. Probably came out of a tree. Where's the tree at now? And where's the person who made this? And where's the machinery that cut that out? And where are these? Look, not separate. You have to have hands to hold that up and even say something like that. All of this is dependent. There isn't, there's no separate being anywhere. This is an illusion that you and I and the world is deluded by. And we're willing to torture and hurt people in order to get rid of our own suffering. It's heartbreaking to watch. So what should you do about that? Train your mind, find out who you are. Don't live another day without having an attitude to find out fundamentally who this is, who this is. This is where the, if there is a location, this is it. And it's not your heart necessarily. It's right here. Yes. This seeing like this intuition and this wisdom, seeing without necessarily labeling or assigning binaries, is this supposed to be more mentally easier or more mentally difficult? Like, does it put, do you put more mental energy into not doing this? Or Don't do get me doing your words now. <laughs> I know, right? I'll roll away. So, <laughs> What do you want to know? Just, I, I, it's a great question. Can you just be succinct? How much mental energy is it supposed to? Is there a supposed to be, or is there? It seems to go different ways, and it uh, seems to be different for for different people. Some people are extremely intellectual, and they have to think about everything. Buddhism is replete with all kinds of intellectual stuff, and we study it. We study material that's. Uh, well, I don't know how would you even describe it. It's just uh, volumes and volumes. And then we take some material and go over it, over and over and over it. My teacher's book, uh, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism, I've been studying that with groups of people since 1975, at least once, sometimes twice, sometimes three times a week, going through, reading it, talking about it, talking about it. So am I getting close to what you're looking for? No, study. So and, and it, sometimes it will be challenging, difficult. And it's good to study with others, study with uh, a community. Yes. So if this like labeling comes up, should I try to challenge it or should I just notice it? Say it again, I'll listen. So if this labeling or binary comes up, should I try to challenge it or just should I try to notice it for next time? If I'm following what you're saying about the polarity stuff, binary, you're calling it, I would say just just observe it. Just Everything that comes and goes. If you see what it is, you you'll see that what looks like binary uh, is not separate. Mm -hmm. uh, life and death, not two different things, two names for the same thing. Mm -hmm. But the world is fights with it because we think that life is really good, and when you die, it's really bad or something. Mm -hmm. Not so. Nothing dies. Who you actually are can't die. What has not, if this has appeared, this can go away. This has appeared can, and it will go away. This is probably sooner than most people's because I'm old. But who you actually are can't go anywhere. And if you realize who you are, you've transcended this world, even though you're still wandering around in a body wearing clothes and uh, eating Cheerios. Do you eat Cheerios? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Rarely, but once in a while. You're still, the illusion is still there. And you're participating, you're actually starting to dance in the illusion. Because you dance, you enjoy actually enjoy, maybe not a lot, maybe your life is difficult, maybe your your body is sore, maybe your 
your health is really off. I have some really young students that are, have terrible health problems. Downside, if they have that, the upside is that's probably what got, what got them into doing sitting meditation. So receive, receive, receive. All the sense fields are meant to receive. Produce little. Don't produce much. Michael. What are we actually? Pardon me? What are we actually? If you use a word, which I would have to use, and this is, comes out of the teachings that I've been studying for a long time, uh, we're, we're just consciousness. But we don't really know what consciousness, like what the, the actual description of it. We know it shows up, this shows up in consciousness, vision, or it shows up in auditory. It shows up in touch. And it shows up in all these different ways and receive and receive and receive. But there's no receiver. There's just consciousness. The illusion that there's a receiver, that's where the warfare comes from. So consciousness, eventually you will see, I can't guarantee it, but I don't know what kind of karma you have to deal with. You may have the karma that's going to take you, as I did one uh, student of mine, I was a student for a while, I went right back into Roman Catholicism. Was that wrong? No, that's probably what he needed to do. Well, that's what he did. And so I didn't, I've said, good luck. I hope that works. I hope that works for you. He's doing a lot of suffering. He needed to go back into the religion he was raised in. More? Yes. Mike Bob, how do we work with an incessant ego while we're on the path? I, I didn't catch the whole thing. Mike. How do we work with an incessant ego when we're on the path? But it's the awareness that it's incessant. The, the downside is it's incessant. I just constantly feel full of myself and I'm bumping into this, bumping into that. And I feel like I can't get out of this intense narcissism or self-centeredness i dealt with that for years before i met my teacher very very painful it makes you want to kill yourself at least it did me this uh, this person shouldn't live any longer because i met him that did not happen so kind of stuck with me but it has to be seen so the downside of what you're saying is you're describing something it's incessant it sounds terrible it's just suffering but the upside of that we want to use duality to talk about it you're aware of that. And many people are not aware of the incessant uh, self-centeredness and because they're able to get rid of that feeling by justifying it, by threatening others, hurting others, pushing others. If they have a lot of power, taking whole countries to war against others to kill innocent people. Of course, everyone's innocent and everyone's guilty at the same time. More? Nice. Thank you. Go ahead. Neil Kabbalion, I have a follow-up question on YouTube from Charles D. Can we say that Buddhism or that Buddhist faith has its roots in seeing clearly reality through mind training rather than a belief without proof? Charles Powell. If you wanted to generalize about that, you could, you could do that. It's uh, if you if you see just that description, probably won't it might be might be satisfi satisfactory, but it won't, the, the fundamental kick in the teeth from Buddhism, you're going to have to see it through uh, a teacher. If you don't have a teacher, it's, it'll just be a set of concepts and ideas that might, might sound reasonable. Whereas the teacher will, if you give them permission, will help you see your true nature. Yes. Um, so I grew up Catholic. So when you say everyone's guilty and innocent at the same time, what do you mean by that? Because I guess when I think of it, the only thing I know is about sins and stuff. So, but what does it mean in the Buddhist tradition when you say that? It's just a way of talking about the, the relative idea, uh, area is there and we work with it. Some people are really mean and do terrible things, but we don't know what's behind all that. What kind of 
horrible things uh, could have happened to them in their consciousness, in the consciousness uh, in the 13th century, or how they've been treated. Sometimes people tend to trade around. Somebody is in this lifetime, they torture somebody, and then they meet in another lifetime, and then the, the torture becomes the other person. Is this true? I don't know if it's true, but it definitely shows definitely shows up in consciousness in that way, the polarization of it. You have to include the polarity in order to be able to understand it rather than pick sides or picking and choosing. Part of it tends to add to the spinning. More confusion. Are you still, do you still uh, practice? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Oh, you guys have been swapping stories. <laughs> yes, hands up. How can you have a cause without blame? Because you were talking about how when you are looking for things that you're like, oh, you're blaming, you're blaming, you're blaming. Yes. How can you find a cause of something without then yes. blaming them? Because the consciousness, if you if you train your mind, eventually the consciousness is just a rough, uh, kind of a classical way of saying it, begins to expand. It doesn't have the, the center and the fringe that it has with an ego. I'm here and you guys are there. It starts to infiltrate, you could say, everywhere. It starts to show up everywhere you look. It becomes like a mirror. You can't really find a separate entity anymore. So therefore, you also cannot find first cause for anything. Just like if I hold this up, it might look like a simple event. Well, I have control. I can pick this up. I can put it down. I'm in charge. But I did not make this, nor did I make this, nor did I make the thoughts that are rising in, in the mind stream that help me to relate to you in terms of the question you seem to be asking. There, there's no creator of any of this. It is this uh, Buddhist teaching is called uh, shunyata or emptiness. You have a further one? Mm -hmm. It's kind of more of a practical question, but how can you have a teacher of Buddhism in your everyday life, like as a college student? How? You would well, you would ask that person to be your teacher, and then you would people do that all the time. A lot of the people in this room, but I'm also saying don't do anything unless you have to. <clears throat> Want to do this by yourself? Go ahead. I certainly couldn't have. I couldn't. I would not be sitting here if it weren't for my teachers. But I'm very, very uh, uh, tentative about trying to get you to do something you're not ready to do. You need to see it. <clears throat> you come. I, I function as a teacher. If someone comes to me and asks me, and then I tell them what that's about. This is what this is what that means to me. And uh, and then do you agree to that? And then if the person says yes. Then then I function as that person's teacher. And uh, and I say, then I would say, keep your agreements. Don't make any agreements unless you're going to keep them. So that's how it would happen. You, you already know that, though. You know you could come here or you could go to other meditation groups anywhere. Talk to other teachers. What is your name? My name's Nora. Nora, N-O-R-A. Easier to spell than yours. <laughs> Just a bit. Huh? Just a bit. <laughs> Just a bit. What is your name again? Tanis. T-A-N-A-N-I-S. -A -A you can break it down into like tan and is. That's how I remember it. <laughs> we all got to start yeah. somewhere. So. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Tanis, what sign are you? Circle. <laughs> oh, no, there's keeping track of stuff. Good. Uh... I'll take one final question, especially if there's one from any of your students out there that hasn't asked a question. Um, 
Susan Bowling. Uh-oh, Susan's a student. <laughs> Um, so, so Kazan, I know you tell us that the most important thing we can do is to train our minds through the sitting practice of shikantaza. Yes. So could you reduce to or just a few words, what is the most important, I guess you'd say, concept that you're trying to teach us, bowing? Whatever happens, this is the path, there's ground path information. The ground is the suffering, the misery, the discontent the fear that's happening in everyone's everyday life. And if you can manage to cover that up, you probably won't be here listening to me. You'll find something. You might you might just go bowling every day. You might get to be a tennis star where you don't have to think about anything because everybody loves you and they want to go through all of your uh, tennis matches. Uh, and you know what I'm saying. I'm not taking anything away from people who do that, but I'm saying that will cover up your life if you are interested in the spiritual path. So coming back to square one, which is your question, I would say the most important thing I can say, if you're on the path, then the important thing to do is, of course, sitting meditation and return to the teacher, return to the teaching. And that's a lot of ways of describing that and return to the community. You need the support of people who are on this path, even though they're all working with it in different ways. Sometimes it looks like some people say they're on the path and it doesn't look like it at all. And other people, it looks more like they're doing something in a conventional way. It's very complicated in that way. So coming back again to your question is just observe, just receive. This is why when you sit down and face a wall, you're training your mind to first see the truth in your own mind stream. So that, so that when you look out, you see that your mind stream is everywhere. You can't see anything but your consciousness. But until that scene, you think there, you'll think this is me and that's other. And this is where wars start, uh, conflict between myself and other, tension, me, 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 and what I think, and them, 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 and what they think. You have to see it. And so the most important concept, the way you're asking it, is just receive. Don't miss your life. Everything that happens in your life is supposed to happen. How's that? <laughs> Susan Bowing, that was pretty good. So um, <laughs> I, I've seen you take that stick and hit a lot of things with it. I've never yet seen you hit a person with it, but you always say it's not real. This isn't real and that's not real. So what is real? Bowing. Find out. You find out. You're not going to believe me. I can tell you what, what, what is real in words, but I wouldn't even ask you. I wouldn't uh, be disrespectful to you by uh, saying that I'll tell you what's real and what you should believe and don't believe anything. Don't disbelieve anything and don't ignore anything. And the practice seems to be seeing how you can't help but buy into this or sell that or push this or cover that up. We just constantly keep going around in circles like that. You find out, see what it is yourself. Um, Susan Bowling, but it, I hear you, but it's very hard when everything seems so real to believe that it's not real, Bowling. I didn't say that. You, you, you caught yourself on your own hook. I said, don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it. When I say don't believe it, don't believe necessarily that it's real. And don't disbelieve it. And, and don't, don't necessarily believe that it's not real. Take no position. When you take a position, you create all the other positions. When you take a position of me, you create all the other thems. Well, some you like and are friendly and some, but everyone is confused. 
They are. Everyone, even the, the people who are out there trying to help people and be nice and helpful. That's a misunderstanding. A big one. Don't take your, don't waste your kindness by throwing it around so that you feel like you're being kind. Be kind here first. Make friends with this. If you haven't made friends with this, then you project that, that, that unresolved understanding out on the world and you go to war with others. Don't do it. Very good. Thank you. Thank you all. Hi, my name is Shoto, and I am a monk at Soku Koji, where I am committed to training my mind under the guidance of my teacher, Sokuzan. We rely on your support for much of what we offer here. This includes building projects to create space for full-time and part-time practice residents. Thank you for your help.